So if we pray and we ask God to do something, but then that thing doesn't happen, does that mean that we just didn't have enough faith? Today on Ask a Youth Pastor, we're going to look at this question. It's honestly one that I've asked a lot. Does God give special treatment to people who just pray harder or maybe pray more often about something? I think a lot of us struggle with this, wondering when we read stories in the Bible where it seems like Jesus is saying, if you just have enough faith, this thing will happen. What does that mean for us? When we are trying to live our lives, when we're praying, when we're asking God for things, and then those things aren't happening, what does that look like? Well, today we've got an awesome episode for you. I am not going to be doing most of the talking, thank goodness. We have Dr. Tim Mackey from The Bible Project. No, he's not in the room. We're not buddies. We're not friends. I wish. He doesn't know I exist. But I've been so blessed by this guy. If you haven't seen The Bible Project, get on YouTube and check it out. That's all I can say. But I am pulling from Tim's podcast, Exploring My Strange Bible. I was listening. Uh, He's one of the podcasters that I listen to often. I love his sermons. And I heard a sermon recently, and the tail end of it is filled with just epic answers to all of these questions. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Tim. And he's going to start by talking about the story of the blind man. So let's see what what Tim has to say, and and then we're going to get into some questions. Look at the story of the blind man here. So as, as Jesus, he went on, these two blind men, they see Jesus before they see. Have mercy on us, son of David. So then Jesus went in a house. We're told he went indoors, and these guys follow him. And then Jesus asked them this question. This is the only time that Jesus, in these stories right here, asks someone a question before he responds to them. It's fascinating. He says, do you guys trust me? Do you trust me that I'm actually able to do this? And they quickly respond like, yeah, that's why we're here. <laughs> so again, remember, faith in these stories is not just about your words or a mental activity. Faith is what you do. You know what you believe by how you live, the choices that you make. And so they're like, yeah, we're here. <laughs> we trust you. We're open to you. And then look at what Jesus says. He says he, t- he, says he touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith, According to your trust, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. So, so just pause and just reflect, reflect on that. Why did Jesus have this little conversation? And why did he have it beforehand? And what is, do you trust me? Yes, we trust you. Then according to the degree of trust that you have, let it be done. And then their eyes, their eyes are open. What's that about? So here we have this simple story of Jesus healing these two blind men. But there's that thing that he says in verse 29 that for me raises all these questions. He says, according to your faith, let it be done. And to me, that makes me wonder, is is there levels of faith? Is it like you can go to church and read your Bible and pray a certain amount of times more than other people that you sort of like attain this higher level of spirituality and then God answers your prayers? 
more than he would answer somebody else's. That, that's kind of something I've struggled with wondering growing up. And I love how Tim addresses it. So let's just, let's hear what Tim has to say about it. Now, some, some of us, you maybe are familiar with this line because it's connected to a couple other lines of Jesus about faith, particularly with prayer, right? If, if you have faith or trust and believe, anything you ask for will be granted by my Father, something like that. And so I, these, are, these are sayings of Jesus that I think are easy for us to misunderstand or at least taken, I think, in the direction that he did not mean for us. I think it's... For some of us, we walk away from this, and we go, okay, all right, the burden's on me. I, Jesus has spiritual power, and to access it, I need to muster up enough faith that like, I get to the level that Jesus is like, okay, now we can play together or something. And then it's like, and then, then Jesus' power becomes available to me. And, and so for some people, that's how they frame it or think about it. And, and so, you know, you're a Christian or you're praying about something, there's something happening in your life, and you're like, Jesus, help me or help this person or something, and nothing happens. What do you do with that? And according to this frame of mind, it would be, well, you didn't have enough faith, so you need to muster up some more. And you're like, okay, I'll keep trying. <laughs> How do you know when you've reached enough? You know, like, what? You guys know what I'm talking about. I would say, yeah. Absolutely, I understand what he's talking about. I've definitely felt that way before. There's been times, honestly, like for me growing up, where I'd be praying about something, but I would know that I was sinning or that I hadn't really been spending time with God. I hadn't really been praying. And so it felt, you know, when my prayers wouldn't be answered, it kind of felt like punishment. It felt like, man, Jesus doesn't love me as much as he loves some of these other people, but of course he loves them. I mean, they're really spiritual and they're, they're constantly spending time with God. So of course he's gonna show them special treatment. Well, Tim gets into why he thinks this is a misconception. Let's hear him out. And I actually think that's a misunderstanding of this story. Because it treats Jesus as just passive. He's like this pa- he's like a vending machine, right? This dispenser of spiritual power. And really, it's all about you and your effort and your ability to pull yourself up and just have enough faith and put enough faith coins in the vending machine, and then Jesus will dispense his power with some bells and whistles. Ding, 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 you know, that kind of thing. So, and I just think that's... Anytime we take a story about Jesus and we make it mostly about ourselves and our effort, it's not this anymore. (laughs) It's not this. These are stories that are meant to tell us something about Jesus first and foremost. Our response is very important, but it's not the key to everything. Jesus is the focus and the key to everything. That is such an important word because I know for me, a lot of the times when I pray, the person I'm focusing on in my prayers is me. It's God, bless my dreams. God, help me with my problems. Me, me, me. And a lot of times in the Christian life, this is actually how we live. We show up to church thinking, I hope I get blessed. I hope that God gives me something that I need for this week. I hope God blesses my family or my school or my business or my sport or whatever. 
And really, the reminder that Tim is getting at is the story is actually, it's Jesus's story. We're a part of it. Jesus is not our genie in the bottle. He is there, not just for us, he's there for the whole world, the universe. He, he's there for everyone. And it's his story of love that he's telling and he's calling us to be a part of this great story that is so much greater than whatever little story our individual life could, could have. This story, it's my conviction that this story is trying to tell us something about Jesus and how he works with people. And it's, we see it in this moment, but we've seen it actually through all of these stories, right? When Jesus, Jesus, lots of very different kinds of people come before Jesus. And they have all kinds of different stories and backgrounds and different degrees of trust, different degrees of openness to Jesus, right? You have the Roman soldier. Remember, he came and Jesus was like, holy cow, I've, not, I've never met anybody who trusts me this much, not even Israelites, right? And then you have stories about the disciples who spend the most time with Jesus, and they have the least amount of trust. Remember the scene on the boat, whatever. He calls them, you who have little faith, little faith people is what he calls them. So you have people with all these different levels of faith, and Jesus works with all of them. See, that's a great word right there, because a lot of times in our church culture, we do put people on pedestals, and we act like certain people who have bigger faith, and they're more spiritual, therefore God is going to choose them. They are the people that he picks. But that's just not the story we see in the Bible. Like <laughs> when God shows up to Abraham, it's not because Abraham is some amazing guy filled with faith. He's literally just some random dude out in the desert. When Jesus shows up and he picks his 12 disciples, he doesn't pick the holiest guys out there. He doesn't pick, I mean, he goes down to the docks and he gets a bunch of fishermen. He, he gets a tax collector. He, he literally picks the worst people for the job of saving the human race. God works with people, and, and I love that he works with people at different levels of faith, and, and he meets them right where they're at. But he works with people with precisely where they're at. He doesn't approach people with formulas. He approaches people and work, meets them at exactly that level of trust that they have. And he meets them there, and he works with them in that space. He doesn't just wait for everybody to like pull them up by their bootstraps and like then they can come to him. He goes to people, right? And he encounters people and he works with them where they're at. So let's get back to the original question. What did Jesus actually mean when he said, according to your faith, let it be done to you? What was he talking about? I want you guys to pay attention closely because Tim is going to break down exactly what Jesus meant with those words. And so it seems to me what, what, Jesus, what Jesus is saying here is like I'm here teaching and preaching and announcing the good news of the kingdom and it's provoking all of these different responses. And the degree to which the presence of the kingdom and the presence of Jesus, the degree to which it will transform people is precisely connected to the degree that they trust him. If, if people come to Jesus with a deep surrender and trust and openness, like, I, I don't know everything. I actually don't really have much of a clue about what's going on inside my own heart or mind, much less the world. Jesus, I need you to read 
define reality for me and who I am, just a deep trust and surrender, that experience becomes very transformative. But others, like the disciples who approach Jesus with a, sh a shallow level of trust, it's not that like they don't get to be with Jesus or the baby Jesus and smile on them or something like that. It's that, it's that Jesus can only do so much for people who don't trust him very much. And then you have people like the Pharisees who don't, they're not open to Jesus at all. And so they, Jesus does nothing for them. It's not that Jesus doesn't like them. It's that the Jesus, apparently, seems to me, Jesus honors where people are at and he honors their choices. And so if people don't want to trust Jesus, he apparently is not going to force the issue. But when people come to him with a deep sense of surrender, they find themselves totally overwhelmed. This is totally mind-blowing to me because it's fighting against everything that I believe in my own nature, this idea that we have to work really hard to become this super Christian and then God will answer our prayers. But look at the story. It's right there in the story. The disciples, they're the ones who technically would be considered the super Christians at that point. They're walking with Jesus. They're serving Jesus. And yet Jesus isn't able to do certain things in their life because they don't have the faith, because they personally are not trusting Jesus. But then think about these two blind men. These guys wouldn't be considered really Christians at all. They're not reading their Bible. I mean, scrolls weren't even available back then to the common peasant. They're, you know, they're, they're not really doing all of this religious stuff, but in that moment, they have so much trust in Jesus. They just simply believe I know Jesus can do this. I absolutely believe that Jesus can do this. And so I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna ask him to do it and I'm gonna believe that he can. And just, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just so humbling for me because there's so many times in my life where I want Jesus to do something, but I start thinking like, well, logically, would he want to do this? Is this the right time for him to do it? Um, I don't really feel like I personally am, am worthy of him doing this in my life because I don't feel like I'm spiritual enough. And, and that's kind of the faith of the disciples. You know, they're, they're questioning and they're basically running through all these reasons why it wouldn't be able to work. But for these blind men, it's just simple, raw faith. And for me, that's my takeaway from this message is I personally need soups, like just so much more simple, raw faith in my life. Tim's gonna bring it home with a story about him and his son that for me really helps illustrate God's working with humans and how he honors our choices. He doesn't force us to do anything really. He wants to work with us, but he also needs us to be willing to participate in working with him. So let's hear Tim's story. mind went as I was as I was pondering this. So I was playing Le Legos. Legos is where my mind, mind went. So I was playing Legos with my uh, three-year-old, almost four-year-old son the other day. And he asked me to build a barn. He said, Dad, I want to build a barn with a door for my cows to go in and out. He has these little Lego cows. So I'm like, sweet, that's a good 
that's an afternoon well spent right there. So let's build the barn. And so building the walls, and he likes to build the walls and so on. And so then we get to the barn door. And so he's like, Dad, you know, build a barn with a barn door. So I'm, I'm like, okay, here's what you do. You build the walls in a, a little bit, but then you stop. And then you build the wall up, and then you close the door at the top, and then we have these hinges and so on right here. And so, I, and so he's like, yeah, build the barn with the barn door, Dad. Yeah, okay, here we go. So here's how you do it. So I, I start building the wall, and then I stop and start building up here. And then he looks, so hilarious. He looks at me, and he's like, no, Dad, no. I'm like, what do you mean? And he starts filling in, filling in the gap right here. And he's like, you got to keep building it. I was like, what? But buddy, you... You told me you wanted me to build a barn with a barn door. He's like, yes. I'm like, well, yeah, exactly. So we got to take these guys out. No, Dad, no. You can't. That's not how you do it. I'm like, what? I'm sorry. Buddy, you have, we, remember you said you wanted me to build a barn with a barn door? And yes, cows. I want my cows to go in and out. I'm like, yeah, but you need to, you, you can't build in the door. Like, you have to leave that space open. You can't put any blocks there, so I'm going to take these blocks out. And I, no, Dad, what are you doing? Like, you know, and really, this really happened. And, and I was like, I'm, I'm building a Lego barn with a crazy person. That's what's happening to me right now. And, and I'm not just begging on my, I can't, I can't tell these stories for too many years longer. You guys know that. And they're going to dry out because he's going to—he's clueless right now about the world. But one day he'll—he'll be aware. So, and I'm not just begging on him. We have lots of friends who also have three and four-year-olds. They're all crazy. They're all like this. Right? <laughs> they're all irrational. But just like that moment was so poignant for me because I was just stuck. I was like, God, you want me to help you build a barn? I'm building you a barn door, but you don't want me to build the barn door. Actually, what do I do? I just, so I just was like, well, hey, look at these trucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, the trucks, and I, whatever, I just moved on, and he would moved on in about 10 seconds, and it was all over. But it was, it was just like this moment where, like, I can't, I can't work with you. Right? I, what can I do with that? He says he wants to do this. But when it actually comes to what it takes to do it, it's clear that he has a different vision altogether. He wasn't open to me. You know, in that moment, he didn't trust whatever. He didn't trust me. Do you guys see where I'm going here? And if I'm just going to bulldoze him, I'm just going to be like, no, listen to me. Take those out, and we'll build the barn door. I was like, what? that's a jerk move. <laughs> so I just, I, I choose to honor his choice. All right, buddy, let's, we'll just go do something else. I, that's, that's what I think is happening right here. According to your faith, let it be done to you. Jesus honors where people are at. He honors the degree of trust or lack of trust that they come to him with. He's not going to pull a jerk move. He's not going to coerce the issue. He's just going to keep teaching. He's going to keep summoning you to follow him. And it's this partnership, right, where he takes the initiative by his sheer grace to just keep inviting you, keep inviting you, but he will let us sit in our half-baked trust if that's what we choose, and sit in the consequences of that. That definitely helps clear it up for me. So many times in my life, I am that little kid who's saying, well, God, I mean, this is obviously the way that we should do it. This is obviously the way that makes sense. And, and God's just sitting there like, okay, like, you can do what you want, but uh, this really would be the better way. 
and and it's just this beautiful picture to me of how God is so patient with us and so gracious with us, but also, I mean, with humans, God really is committed to this idea of giving us free will and giving us choices and and honoring that and sticking by that, but then being super committed also to be this father who is constantly by our side, suggesting to us the right way to do things, the right path. I love that about him. Like, I mean, honestly, if I were God, I probably would have given up on humanity a long time ago, but he's so patient and he's so willing to, he's so willing to just continue to point us to the, the truth. And I love that about our God. I want to pause right now in the middle of the episode and just touch on something that we haven't been talking about for the sake of balance because I don't want anyone to be listening to this and to be confused about something. So there's going to be times in your life where you pray and you ask God to do something and you have the right faith, like the the faith of the blind men, this super just pure and amazing faith in Jesus that he can do anything, but the thing that you're praying for won't happen. And what does that mean? Does that mean that God doesn't love you? Does that mean that, again, going back to the original question, that your faith just wasn't strong enough? I'll use an example from my personal life. So recently, my Aunt Lisa just passed away from cancer. And, I mean, Lisa was an amazing, strong, beautiful person, loved Jesus, served Jesus with her life, was always loving everyone around her, and, I mean, totally did not deserve cancer. Um, she was amazing. And we prayed, me and my family, we, we prayed and prayed that God would heal her, and it didn't ultimately happen the way that we wanted. Uh, it didn't ultimately happen with her being free from that cancer in this life. And it'd be easy for us to look at that and be like, oh, why did that happen? Like, why did God not answer our prayer? We had that simple childlike faith. And this goes back to what Tim was saying about trusting the Father. See, sometimes God does allow things to happen that are painful because ultimately it's a part of his greater plan. And Obviously, God does not cause cancer. He does not cause sickness. All of that stuff comes from the enemy and his attack on the human race. But sometimes God allows us to suffer through these attacks because he has this greater thing that he's doing. And when I think of my Aunt Lisa, I know that she right now, even though she didn't get healed in this life, even though she didn't get healed the way that we wanted her to, right now she is more healed than she'll ever be. She's with Jesus. She has her new body and she is actually healthier than I am right now. Um, She has been healed. And so that was a part of God's perfect plan for her. And it's hard for us back in this life, but for her, ultimately she's free now from pain. And, And to me, this is just this picture of even though sometimes we pray, God's not always going to do things exactly the way that we want him to. He's not going to always answer those prayers. Just because we have the right faith, the simple faith, that Jesus can do anything doesn't mean he's going to do that thing that we ask. 
And that all goes back to trust. Do we have the trust to have the simple faith and pray and ask that God would do something and then have the simple faith to sit back and trust that if it doesn't happen the way that we're asking, that God is still in control and that he's still in charge of what's going on? Do we have the faith that he's the father and he knows what he's doing? So I just thought that that was important to insert into the episode for any of you that might be confused about that. Tim is going to finish it up by just an important challenge to us about following Jesus, because really all of this centers around trust. And so here's, here's Jesus. Here he is. He's here to announce the good news of the kingdom. He didn't wait for us. He just came and, and did for us what we can't do for ourselves. He lived for us. He died for us. He was raised for us. And his presence is available to us in the person of his spirit. And he didn't sit around waiting for us to get our act together. He just did that for us. But he calls us to respond. And so here's Jesus, right? We've been sitting in this for months now. Look, what you going to do about it? Which, Which response are you? Open mind? Just simply a blown mind, but you're not ready to do anything about it. Or, or a closed mind. How do you know which one you are? Well, just, you know, think of the paralyzed man and his friends. How do you know what trust was? Well, look at what they do. They, they are desperate to get in front of Jesus, and they do, what, do whatever it takes. So how do, I, how do I know if I have an open mind to Jesus? Well, am I actually following him? Let's start there. <laughs> like, do you, so not just believe in him. Do I follow him? What does that mean? Well, here you go. Let's go read this, right? And let's really go let this sink in. Because here's apparently what it means to come under Jesus and to let, let him live and die and be raised for me and to experience his life-transforming power. And, and so if I'm committed to having an open-minded response, it means, look, think of the list that Jesus worked through in his teachings when it comes to money, Do I assume I already know everything I need to know about what I do with money? Or do I let Jesus redefine what I do with that, which as a disciple of Jesus means giving a lot of it away, actually as much as I can handle? Am I willing to hear Jesus talk about sex, which is very different than how our culture processes it? A high degree of sexual purity and integrity if I say I'm going to follow Jesus. And as I'm not going to follow Jesus, why not? I apparently must think I have a a better vision of what I ought to do with my body than Jesus does. Okay, well, let's, let's talk about that. Like, do you really? You know? Or why do you think that? And if you do think that, maybe you're actually not willing to follow Jesus. Maybe you're actually in this category, but you don't know it. What do you do with conflict in relationships and, and issues of forgiveness and, and bitterness? What do I do? You, you guys with me here? You actually know how much you trust Jesus by just look, study your life and study your decision-making habits. And you'll know if you truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that you're going to follow him. Now, is there margin for error? Oh my goodness, lots. <laughs> that's, why this is, that's why this is not about us and our effort. It's about Jesus and his announcement of good news. Are you with me? So which response are you? The same exact church community will be full of people who are having their lives totally overhauled by Jesus. 
They're having their minds stimulated, but they're not yet following and experiencing the reality. And also a church community can be full of people whose minds are closed to Jesus and they don't even know it because they, you know, they say they believe, but there's, there's no sense of Jesus' vitality or presence or power and no evidence of life transformation taking place. And all of these people are constantly around Jesus as he goes around. So which one are you? been listening to Ask a Youth Pastor. Hopefully this has been encouraging to you. I know for me, it's definitely helped me understand more clearly what the relationship is between myself and prayer and God and how things work. This understanding that Jesus wants to do great things in the world and in my life, and he wants me to trust. He wants us to trust. I'd encourage you today, if you're listening to this, take some time to pray. Take some time to just connect with God and just ask him, you know, Jesus, do I trust you? Ask yourself that. Do I trust Jesus? Am I truly following Jesus? Or is Jesus just kind of a part of my life? Somebody, somebody I hear about at church, but uh, there, there's no real trust because there's no real change in my life. I'm not moving in the directions that Jesus is asking me to move. I'm not following him and and the things that he's asking me to do because really trust is what it all centers around in the christian life and i know for me i need more trust i need to trust that the things in my life that i want to see happen that i feel in my bones are are important things um, things that i even feel that god has told me that he has these things for me in my future i need to have faith i need to trust that Jesus knows best and his timing is best and that he will complete the work that he began in me. And and I know that, you know, that doesn't mean that he's gonna answer all of our prayers instantaneously, but, or make everything that we want to happen happen instantaneously. But I do know that the key component to all of it is faith. And I know that there's things that God wants to do in my life. And if I don't have faith, Um, it's not basically God punishing me and saying, oh, because you're not spiritual, because you didn't read your Bible and pray enough this week, I'm not going to bless you. But me having a lack of faith, it's, it, what happens is just like in the story with Tim and his son, God looks at me and he's like, I want to work with you. I want to help you, but you're not letting me. You have more faith in yourself and your own methods, and you're not standing back and letting me work as your father who loves you and wants to help you. This has just been so refreshing for me. So hopefully it's been a blessing to you. This has been Ask a Youth Pastor, and until next time, have a great life. (laughs) I never know how to end episodes. Have a great life. Ask a Youth Pastor is a ministry of Hesed Creative. We're a nonprofit ministry that provides free resources for church planners, missionaries, and the church at large. You can check us out at hesedcreative.com. That's H E S E D creative.com. 
Also, for more from Tim Mackey, you can check out his website, timmackey.com. You can also check out his podcast, Exploring My Strange Bible. That's where we took the audio from for today's episode. And of course, you can check out The Bible Project. Just Google The Bible Project. It is one of the most amazing resources you can ever see about the Bible. Um, You will learn so much from those YouTube videos, so please check it out. Thanks for listening, and again, have a great life.